Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or proliftdoors.com Portland. On this episode of the podcast, we welcome back Commissioner Ben West. Thank you, Ben, for coming on the show again. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And the main reason we're coming to Ben is that the Oregon Republican Party had their platform convention a few weeks ago, and uh, Ben was in attendance. Nick and I were not, although I've been to the last couple. Um, I have a one-year-old who's taking up a lot of my energy lately so it's you're you're more of a masochist than i am i've still not been to a party convention anyone who goes to those oh my gosh wow my gosh it's a whole thing it is it It is is. it's a labor of love and uh so it is it is an important document because republicans are judged by this document the problem is that it is it is rough it's rough going to these things you're going out to pendleton on your own dime spending the weekend basically sitting in a hotel room discussing these things for, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. And it is rough. And so what ends up happening is generally the most extreme members of the party are the ones who have the time and energy and desire to go do these things. And so then this this document ends up being what we are held to, essentially. So uh, before we get into that, Ben, last time we talked, you had you were commissioner-elect. You had not yet taken office. So just kind of want to see how things are going. How is it being a commissioner? What do you, what well, do you think? think? Yeah, we're about, I guess we're about a year in now. Probably about a year so in, this yeah. This is the, the year point we're checking in. I, I think um, things are going really well. And I think in many ways, Clackamas County um, has been... Um, doing exceptional work and beginning attention and notoriety because we're really become a juxtaposition to the dysfunction around us within the metro area and even out of Salem and the smaller counties, medium sized counties, and even some national personalities and influencers are noticing how Clackamas County is vastly different than our neighbors right to the north in Multnomah County. And a lot of them start with, wait a second, you guys are doing what? And you're still part of the Portland area. <laughs> and how are you guys doing this? And why are you so different? And um, that's been exciting to be involved um, in real tangible change and to show what good local government looks like. And we also often in Oregon haven't had that opportunity or seen our leaders lead in that way. But Clackamas County in, in many ways is the adult in the room and doing really great stuff. I just talked to the governor the other day briefly. Even she's noticed about um, how objectively Clackamas County is doing really well. And it's I feel like it's nice because, I mean, kind of, as you mentioned, the, the juxtaposition with uh, the city of Portland and Multnomah County being just 
really right here. You're your next door neighbors. And I, I live in Woodstock. I live in Multnomah County and the drug issues, the issues with the road, the issues with the homeless, the kind of ongoing ceaseless things that we continually run into. And you guys have had the this massive issue of tolling handed to you that it's like, OK, whoa, 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 we got to this is not what's going to be good for our citizens. We got to make sure that we're going to go through and nip this one in the bud. And so on, you're you're being able to succeed on top of, you know, kind of having this grenade thrown in your in your faces there. So it's it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see. And it's it's always a reason for hope. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to get that build that to get uh, the, the wall built between Clackamas <laughs> County, Multnomah <laughs> County, make Multnomah <laughs> County pay for it. But I haven't got that done yet. But we're trying. Right. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. Getting there. Love to see it. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's a beautiful wall (laughs) (laughs) living over in Washington County. It's always it's it's kind of surreal to think that there is one of the counties in the metro area that is Republican majority and has a Republican congressperson for us. I mean, Lori Dreamer is, I think, the majority of of Clackamas Clackamas County, if not. Yeah. That's fantastic. Not where we sit right now, but okay. Yeah, this is we're in six right now. This used to be part of five. Um, but yeah, I think Lori's, you know why Lori's doing a great job? I think because she was a local mayor mm-hmm. and so she looks at like this, the, the, she looks through the lens of like, I got to solve local real problems. And even though I'm all the way in DC, she has that mindset of like, I still have to fill the potholes. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. all, t- and, and, and I don't think a lot of people that have mostly legislative experience totally understand what cities and counties have to deal with as boots in the ground as we deliver real services to our neighbors. And Lori gets it. And so when she's mm. in DC, she's trying to use all of that, uh, that, um, levers of power in the federal government to make sure that her neighbors can feel the benefit in a positive way. And I don't, I think that's sometimes rare in a legislator. I can't think of another one in Oregon that really has that local mentality the way she does. Um, I think it's a real clear example. So I, it's, and she's been great to work with from the county level, coordinating with the local level to make sure that her policies are mirroring and matching and making sure we're dealing with local issues the right way. Yeah. The, I, that's, that's fantastic to hear that last little tidbit of, of uh, kind of inside baseball there. But it, it is, uh, I mean, at a state or federal level, if you have a legislator who's that laser focused on, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of what it is that her constituents need. And now it's, you know, you can argue Republican versus Democrat till the cow come home but i think now that you know she's going to have two years of proof running against somebody who's not from the area doesn't have any experience in the area certainly doesn't have any experience with the kind of work that she's been doing in jamie mcleod skinner and who is obviously very 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 liberal but i think now it's going to be great for the wholly unlikable yeah well oh my god (laughs) she's she's probably not coming on our podcast anytime soon that's that's for darn sure with all the stuff we said about. i think would impact your listenership (laughs) (laughs) she's just not a likable person but there's cd5 are gonna the the vote get the chance to see it's like all right we could go with somebody new well look at this but like you'd, you'd lose a lot of stuff so i'm i'm optimistic if i'm laurie hey her i team. She i emailed work. i emailed sarah i honor on and invite her on the podcast and uh she declined so hey you know we're open to it um jamie if you want to come on the podcast come on we'll, <laughs> we'll come talk to you um so anyway i guess back to the reason that we that we came here was the platform convention and so you spent uh was it friday saturday sunday or just saturday sunday just saturday the whole time here the whole time is there the whole time it's rough um, um it listen <laughs> any you know what's so funny is i had a recent conversation with representative travis nelson hmm. who is the representative of north northeast portland 
the second bluest state legislative seat um, in Oregon. And he had just done their platform convention. And I think policy aside, <laughs> some of the feelings are mutual when you go through this process. And I don't know. Well, maybe some people, but like there's a lot of varying opinions. And so I don't know a lot of people either, regardless of their party affiliation, that fully adopt and agree with everything within their party platform. Right. That'd be well almost impossible and weird. Well, it's, to have it's that happen. contradictory in points. So oh, like it totally it, is. It, it, I mean, yeah. and, it, and it's written by committee. Like it's impossible to get all of the contradictions mm-hmm. out of there because you get 200 people and you divide up into caucuses of. 15 or 20 and everybody kind of works on it separately and then you kind of shove everything back together and uh oh it's yeah. a sausage making yeah, yeah it is a, a full-on like crazy sausage process. making and it's and it's over the craziest things you're like just wordsmithing it to death or you're like mm-hmm. having weird arguments like forever on the floor right. and you're stuck in this giant convention room within you know we're at the, we're at the, the Pendleton convention center mm-hmm. um which it was super cool for me. I'm going to totally segue for a second. Go for it. We're kind of art nerds a little bit. So in the Pendleton Convention Center, behind the front desk are two la- large James Lavador um, paintings. Okay. Those four paintings against that wall are James Lavador. Oh, wow. And this mono print is uh, between uh, Rick Barto, who's passed as a Native American artist, and a compilation um, with James Lavador. And so James is probably one of the most consequential um, Native American artists uh, in our lifetime coming out of the Northwest. Hmm. And uh, he has been the Venice Biennial and is well shown. I think he's uh, now shown um, in major cities throughout the U.S. And he's really doing great stuff. But he does a lot of these abstract landscapes. So it was really cool as an art nerd to walk in and at least see some James Lavador's hanging in the Pendleton um, uh, Convention Center where his print shop and studio and art um, is produced out of um, the Umatilla tribe uh, at a place called um, Storm Storm Shadow. I think Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow, yeah. Um, so it was kind of cool to see that. So I, 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 I felt like I don't know that for me, I was like, this is pretty cool. Um, as someone who appreciates that work, I was probably the only person in that entire convention that was full of <laughs> like red meat Republicans had any idea what they were looking at. Um, not to say they don't have that level of sophistication in this topic, but well, I, know. I don't know who that is. So yeah. I'll, I'll, you I, know. I'll encourage our listeners to go see. I could just because everybody else can't see that it looks like the art that you do have here in your house uh, abstractly. Landscapes is a very apt way of describing it, but I, I think that that's an interesting thing. We'll have to go next time we're out in that part PDX of the state. Contemporary. We'll have to yeah, go, to, go, to, go to pdxcontemporary.com. Go look at James Lavador's stuff. He has these huge abstract loyal, um, oil um, paintings. Um, I love them, and I he's one of my... Um, my favorite local artist. And so if you want to appreciate not only native American work, but some that's consequential and really making a name for itself in the Northwest, a lot of people don't realize how big it's really getting. Uh, and you want to appreciate it. Go, go to PDX contemporaries website, or you can even go to their gallery. I think they're in the pearl still. James um, come on the pod and, and check him out. Yeah. He does we'll some cool on. stuff. We he probably does. would have to go back to YouTube for that. One. <laughs> and we're talking before. Oh, this is you be talking about native American that. art, right? Like, and you could easily Google him and pull up James Labrador stuff. Yeah. And he, you know, he's been in PDX. Um, uh, I mean, he's been on like OPB and all kinds of stuff. So anyways, he's a really cool artist. And we, it was really cool to, yeah. to see some of his stuff hanging in the convention center. There sure. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. Well, so is there 
anything in particular that you kind of want to start with on the platform of something that changed or something that um, I know you, uh, you know, being a gay Republican are pretty, you know, want to be represented within the party. And I know that there have been some changes. I don't I don't want to step on your toes, but um, a couple changes to the family plank. Um, anything you want to point out or should I just go for it? Go for it. All right. Well, you guys already read one, through the whole entire platform. So well, we, this was, was several years ago. That was a couple ago. years I've, ago. I've done it again. Yeah. Wow. That's a, <laughs> it was uh yeah. If you want to go listen to our take on I've the never platform. Done that. <laughs> I've never. Well, it's, it's, it's yeah. 18 pages. And I think it was when, when we were, I, think it was, I thought it was closer to 10. We we're trying to get it under 10. And there's always somebody who comes up and makes a motion to make it that it'll be capped at one page, which God bless that in, person. You know, you know why they're. In you know why theory, they say that. Why? Because states like Wyoming have like an insanely. It's so Ugh. short, yes. and they do that on purpose, right? It should be, and they make it yeah. like wildly short because they want to just basically have. It's really like this. This whole thought of like limited government, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, even though I, I'll make maybe this will like take my Republican card away. I don't know if limited government means totally a small government, but that's a whole nother maybe topic. <laughs> well, um, but that's <laughs> that honest. That is good fodder for a yeah. pod because I that's that's my what, thesis what we, on why we have like I want good government. I don't want yeah. small government. I want right. just just but, be good at the but, stuff but, that you do. But limited and small are two different things, right? That so is, yes, and we want it to be effective. And we have three hundred and fifty what million plus people living in the United States, right? And so what is that? There's, I don't know if we can have a totally a small government, um, but we but we could have an effective limited government. I think the federalist system does that, but that's a whole other topic of like breaking down kind of like political philosophies and whatnot. But and I, mark your calendar. We'll do yeah, this again sometime can, next fall. And political philosophy. Well, I was yeah. going <laughs> to say, yeah, we'll get a couple of professors in on this one or something. That would go. be good. That's yeah. great. Um, Sorry, I meant today. No, I no, this is <laughs> this is exactly what the podcast is for. Is going off the rails and talking about stuff. Just it's it's all content, right? We're just trying to get through it. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, set, plank seven is the family, which I feel like is the one one of the kind of uh, defining planks in the in the platform because it's I think it's a lot of what turns a lot of people off. I think a lot of people who would otherwise be conservative, who would other be otherwise be responsible government folks, um, this is the plank they have a hard time with. And of course, we just can't let it go for some reason. But um, I'll jump in there, though, but like I think this goes on both sides. If we looked at we went oh, yeah. through the same fine tooth comb with the with the Democrats. Oh, it's bad party yeah. platform, and we'd be like. And and they knew what was in the other party's platform. If you sat down and compared them and made mm-hmm. say, no one expects you to agree with hundred percent of this. And there's some nuance and some conversation to really be had. But you know, is, is this do you, how much of this do you really adhere to in this mm-hmm. party's platform? Yeah. I think it is an Absolutely. interesting conversation. But yeah. like like I said, none of us are going to agree with this hundred percent of the time. Or does it total, do I totally identify with this document? You know, this and we're not talking about it's not my Bible, um, but I think right. it gives some idea about. Um, where um, we, where the thought or the direction or framework of the party is, but there's a lot of opinions and and and, and a big tent mentality for different ideas within the party. Despite this, and there's a lot of argument that happens. So a lot, of, not everybody agrees with this. Yeah, yeah. Well, so seven point eight, we recognize and support the existence of non-traditional families. So. Hey, that, Republicans get something right. right. <laughs> However, you go up to decades. you go up to seven point one, and it still says marriage is between one man and one woman. So, mm-hmm. again, this is contradictory. Like, how do you how do you have marriages only between one man and one woman, and yet we also support the existence of non traditional families? But 
it's it is what it is, I, and I'm sure there were there was horse trading and there was back and forth and wordsmithing, and people were not willing to get rid of one one man, one woman, but they were okay adding the other pit. And so I think I'm guessing. I, I mean, I have no like um, giving the insight about how that got laid out the way it is. It's super interesting mm-hmm. to see happen. Um, read the preamble to that first. The Oregon Republican Party believes that the traditional family formed through the marriage of one man and one woman is ordained by God, our creator, and is the foundation of our society. This environment is optimal for raising children to be responsible, self-sufficient, moral, and productive citizens. So at 7.1, they just repeat themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which was a fight in itself. Yep. Right? And so the preamble was cleaned up. And I had some voice in that. Um, and it was almost voted to not have 7.1 just to remove it and to only have it in the preamble as it stated, which um, I, in a way, when I read the preamble, um, I'm, I don't have a lot that has me necessarily been out of shape about the preamble. Mm-hmm. The kind of the overly like stating it and reemphasizing it in 7.1, um, I think was unnecessary. Uh, and I think part of the argument that I laid out was, is that no one is arguing that there is a biological ideal that nature has set up for families to exist. Um, it takes a biological man and a biological woman to, to, you know, create a family, to create, to create offspring, to sire a child. And so that's the norm. That's the ideal. And in many things in our lives, we always, always, we're always striving for an ideal or we respect an ideal, even though it may not be our reality. And so being um, in a, a gay man with, with a child, I understand that, um, uh, my son may not be in the textbook family that is the biological norm, but we are still participating in society in a way that's productive and we're productive parents that that adds to stable society, even though we may not be the ideal biological norm. And how often in our lives do any of us ever live up to any ideal anyways? Right. Um, there is always an ideal to something and I'm not – it doesn't take anything away from me as a dad because I recognize that there is the majority of all civilization and procreation of the species happens between um, the two the two sexes, right? Right. And there's value in that. And I I'm not gonna and and we need family units and family units are important. And the majority of all those family units are almost always going to come uh, from that more traditional biological structure. That's okay, right? Hmm. And so I'm the preamble I'm kind of okay with. I can coexist with this and not necessarily feel like I'm different or not allowed or excluded. Mm-hmm. It it got a little heated in the conversation in the in the in the conference when it was almost like we must restate this as, you know, in the same type of language as measure 36 which um was overturned through my lawsuit and my mm-hmm. husband's lawsuit where we were banned um, any marriage between the, the same sex couples and marriage is defined as one man, one woman in the Oregon constitution. It, those, that language still in there, but because of our lawsuit, it was overturned in federal court and not found constitutional based on the 14th amendment. Nice win. Um, and so we won that. So, um, so, but, but it's almost like they want to hold on to that, to that thought. Right. So 
But for me, the real thought that happened, the real thought that happened that was actually really cool to see roll out and the debate that happened and how it happened and it got emotional and it got a little bit loud and it got a little bit messy and that's okay. Um, is the language that talks about, um, non-traditional families, you know, existing and being supportive and having a place in the party, mm-hmm. um, which does include families like mine, it includes single moms, it includes foster kids, it includes grandmas and grandpas that are raising children. Mm-hmm. Also, not the ideal, mm-hmm. right? But it's yeah. reality, but. and they're people, and they're still families. You still can't say they're not a family, mm-hmm. right? So we're 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 we all want to strive to be the best families we can be and do the best we can, despite of our humanness. But we're also like understanding that there's a big enough tent. There's a big enough space for people that don't always like look like that. Um, and we still want them to, uh, we still realize that they can share our common values also. A lot of the debate happened around an evangelical biblical worldview that mm-hmm. was stated as if we were in church, right? And a lot of that always, happened in the, yeah. in the week. And so when I got up and, um, we moved this. We 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 got this moved to the to the floor to the overall. So you go to, you go to your committee. It's like thirty fifty people in it. Mm-hmm. You vote on what comes out of committee, and then it has to go before the whole entire body of all the Republicans there. And there's a you know I don't know two hundred three hundred of them in the room. Yeah, and um, did they have to like vote on this? And the debate happened. Got real real loud again and real robust. And a lot of the argument was, you know, God says this, this, and this in the Bible. And which is just, it's just like, and I respect, I respect and admire anybody's faith. If you are that sincere and that devout in, in your view of the world and of God and of his, his word and everything, I more power to you. <clears throat> but it's just like, that doesn't have any place in crafting policy and crafting how our, our, you know, basically advertisement to, to the rest of the state, to anybody else who said, come, you know, come on, this is what we believe. This is how we're going to come in and make the state better has nothing to do with any of that. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned a minute ago how we are a, the document is as, uh, you know, I guess unwieldy as it is because we are a big tent party and people do come in there with very strong opinions about a lot of different things. Some of them are, unfounded and kind of crazy and whatever, but they, they believe what they believe and they get it in there anyway. And I, I've, I've always thought that the Republican party is a big tent party because not because of the necessarily the people like that, which again, if you are of that fundamentalist of a worldview and whatever your niche thing is, God bless you. But because we welcome people who aren't like that, mm-hmm. we welcome people yeah. who I, to, to kind of summarize, you know, exactly what you were just saying. If we, if we want to, if we choose to codify in our state party and our party documentation that says we are Republicans and this is what we believe that there is an ideal family and that we recognize the, the rights of other, you know, non-traditional families to exist. If we've chosen as a party to to put that in there, then that's great. It gives James and I stuff to complain about and make more podcasts, and that's wonderful. <laughs> more content, but, baby. But the the important thing is that we recognize the liberty of individuals who are not in that mindset to still come in and feel welcome. And that's and I, again, I, I love the way that the text in seven point eight is written, and I also I love the experience that you had to to really really have to go to bat. And it sounds like there were some really really some serious people on the other side. Oh, it got pretty raw. Got people were crying. Oh, like, wow. There were tears in the room. Yeah, but right. it, but I want to say the conversation was always healthy. Yeah. Not always comfortable. Right. Um, and that's okay. And so 
and and maybe for the first time ever in our party, I brought a face and a credibility to it. It's never seen, so that's why we had movement on it. And not to toot my own horn, I don't want to sound um, no. That's that, that, that's absolutely important, and um, I I think one of the reasons I was drawn to you know you as a person as a as a politician was because you can put a face to these things. And I think that a lot of the reason that we have such quote unquote bigotry among members of our party is because they don't really they, there's no face to it. They they just see the you know whatever they see on the news of of. Uh, you know, for for trans people or for gay people, and it's always just kind of this ethereal, you know, other. And to actually put a face in somebody in front of you that says, "Hey, this is me. This is effect. This is affects me." I think is powerful, and I'm and I'm glad you went out there. And so, so we're, we're on the floor, right? Yeah. And so it's and so a lot of people are giving their testimony, quoting scripture, talking about that marriage between and God did set it this way in Jesus, and we can't stray from God's word, and we're bound to as. We're founded on the Christian nation, all that stuff, right? And a lot of it was, um, I think, a real. And so I, so I, so I get the mic. I never thought I would have to like make this argument in front of two or three hundred people for just for the basic um, acknowledgement of within my party that I feel like I've given a lot to, mm-hmm. not always easily, um, and make and make and make the case. But not just my family. And there's there's all kinds. There's different families out there type that are made up in different ways, and so. I remember just having to break down and saying, listen, like you guys talk about being founded on a, as a Christian nation. I said, I, you're right. Western civilization was heavily influenced by the philosophy of the Judeo Christian, by Judeo Christian philosophies, right? And I go, let's be clear. Those are two different faiths. Judaism and Christianity are not the same faith. But why do they work in congruent? We're congruently together and we're heavily influencing the founding of Western civilization and, and our own country and, um, our rule of law and all those things because they share very common core values. And those are different than religion or faith. That's different than religion or faith. No one's asking you or your church to have a different faith or religion, but I'm telling you because my family looks different does not mean I don't share common core values with mm-hmm. you. And so today we're asking people that don't necessarily live up to what you would consider the ideal or they don't, they don't have that image of the ideal that maybe we still share your your core common values. I want my son to one day um, be married and have grandchildren um, and give me grandchildren. And I want him to see that family's valuable. And I want him to feel like that that's something he should be um, striving for. We share that value for my son. I'm sure I need, we also need to have a place in this party. And so making, I think that's where I made it as I tried to break down and separate what is a Judeo Christian philosophy versus what is mo- what is like, um, a theocracy, mm-hmm. right? And so sometimes we got a little captured in a theocracy and not understanding what's the difference between Judeo, Judeo-Christian philosophy and just saying like, um, uh, and just saying we're giving space for somebody that's a little bit outside of this, this norm and we're not taking anything away from who you are or what you believe at the same time. Um, and I think that that is, and I, and I asked them from in front of 300 people, I was like, I, I, I need anybody here to tell you that my family's not a family. Mm-hmm. Like you're, we're talking about families. Is my family not a family? I'm not arguing its makeup or whether or not my son should have two dads. Or, but I, I go, is this, is 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 the single mom in this room? Is she not a family? Is the grandparents raising their 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 grandchildren? Are they a family? Is does the foster child that's become connected to his foster parents and finally has stability? Are they a family? 
they're families and here and we are a family we're about family that's the bottom line we share the core value of family mm-hmm. and so not to oversimplify this but our our um i guess the doctrine of our party needs to reflect that so i also after we passed it and it wasn't close mm-hmm. actually people are like oh it's probably it wasn't close hmm. it wasn't like a total blow up but it wasn't close the vote yeah. Um, I got on the phone with, uh, I made a phone call to, um, the national, um, law cabin Republicans. For those that don't know that, that's the big national group for, um, Republican or conservative, um, gay men and women. Um, and they're out of DC. I know that I'm not a member of the law cabins, but I have, um, connections and ties there and some relationships. I called their executive director and he was like, how'd you guys get that? We couldn't get close in California or no other state. You've mm-hmm. made more progress in Oregon with that verbiage than we've seen basically anywhere else no in the country. Okay. Wow. And so it's a big step forward, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so I'm super proud of it. And, and it's also in some conflict with itself, which just kind of makes you know that these are always working documents in a way. Sure. And in right. two years, we're going to redo this again. Somebody else's. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's going to get tweaked again. And so the fact that like we had a robust conversation and the, you know, the, and, and our, I guess our, our Republican family had to continue to wrestle with the topic in a productive way is actually how real momentum on an issue and change happens. We didn't change any hearts or minds because we won gay marriage in Oregon. It's through relationship. It's through conversation. It's through debate. It's through speech. And mm-hmm. it's through showing up and just being part of the process that you then begin to gain credibility. And then you can begin to like maybe make some influence in a positive way among those that didn't necessarily have any of those connections except for the pol- political polarization, which never really moved the needle anyways. And so I guess I'm just trying to be a little bit of that um, perspective to the party that it didn't really have before. Well, I think that's – I think you just hit the nail on the head is it's uh, – a lot of it comes down to exposure. And if uh, – I, I, I mean, I in my own personal life, I grew up mom, dad, brother, and me, and it's just a very heteronormative, cisgendered, traditional, stereotypical family unit. And I, my about eight years ago, my mother passed of cancer, and my dad has remarried uh, a, a gal who is – she's divorced, and they have two kids, and now – I have a, a stepbrother who's finishing college and a stepsister who lives in Italy who is also married and has a, a baby of her own. And so all of a sudden, the, the the definition of what is your family just goes from, oh, well, it's my mom and my brother and my dad and me to, well, it's my dad and my brother and my wife and our son and also my dad's wife and you know, kind of her kids too, and kind of her granddaughter too, and kind of even her ex-husband too. Like I, they were all family friends a million years ago, it's, and it's just like a the 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 links that you go to when there are people that you love, and there are people who are big who are a big part of your lives that I'd never been exposed to something. All I knew in, in my own personal life was mom and brother and dad and me, and I think this is the case for. A lot of Republicans is if you if all you are aware of is, you know, you have 12 other couples that you hang out with and they're all straight heteronormative couples, uh, one man and one woman. And 
you you have your dinner parties and you go to your church and you go to your job and everything like that and you're aware of the existence of gay people you've seen movies and you've read books and whatever but you it's watch the like, birdcage like, <laughs> like, oh yeah i, don't, yeah. I remember this okay, my hairdresser is you know <laughs> exactly. there's tangentially someone but there's never somebody that you know maybe you're familiar with that at at that level of intimacy where somebody's coming up and saying i'm you know i'm asking for your vote on this i'm asking you to treat me with the same level of respect that you treat anybody else even if you're not going to agree with my my personal lifestyle and my personal choices to just say that hey i i all i'm trying to do is to codify that i'm welcome in your party i've been a member of this party for 20 years, 30 years, I've I've gotten elected as a member of this party. I'm working on behalf of this party. I'm making my county better on behalf of this party. All I want to do is just just make sure that I know that I feel welcome here. And until somebody gives that level of an, an impassioned speech, I, there's probably, like you say, maybe you're not, you didn't get everybody else whole hog on board, but maybe there's enough people who just jump in and say, you know what? Yeah, I don't well, see the problem we, well, here. We've been close. In, in prior... Um platform conventions there's almost always there's someone who tries to make a motion on the floor to remove 7.1 to remove the one man one woman thing and my experience it's always failed about 60 40 you know maybe 70 30 we were close but we were close to 50 50 and it always kind of gave me a little bit of hope that the party was closer than and again this is the this is in general the most extreme members of the party um Gave me a little bit of hope that, you know, we were almost there. We we're almost to the point where where we could start accepting gay people as, you know, full members of the party, I guess, for that's probably phrased poorly. But um, I've said this a number of times. I think that we are missing a big opportunity among the gay community as as Republicans by not reaching out to them and to I, I feel like there are a lot of gay people that would vote Republican and would register Republican if they felt a little more welcome in our party and maybe maybe I, I think, don't want to talk on your behalf no or, no you're, you're not you're, I think no I think it's a it's speculating a, it's, no it's a common thought I don't think it's a I think it's fair I think you know it's interesting because people are it's listen it's it's let's just it's complicated sure right sure so Many of the people in that room, because Clackamas County had the largest contingency because we have a large Clackamas party, Clackamas County Republican Party. And so we had a lot of delegates because mm-hmm. of the size of the number of PCPs we have. Those people got me elected, mm-hmm. right? They knew full well who I was, right? Yeah. Like, and they wanted me to represent them in the metro area and, and to help Clackamas County be a firewall against all of the insanity we see coming out of the state. Those same people like me. They also, wanted to have a conversation um about you know what what is marriage what is it defined as and who what do we think it is within our party and they also want to go have dinner with me afterwards i don't a lot of this was like sometimes we have messy conversations but Mm -hmm. i think overall it was pretty respectable like it was pretty it, it, it was an easy um and if you're willing to hang in there and have those conversations with people, wow, it's it's amazing the like the headway and the mutual respect you get because you've also kind of battled something out together and created something. You know, we created a platform together, um, and there's some respect and there's some capital that's developed when you walk with people through life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you walk through them through the struggle of being a Republican in Oregon, when you're walking alongside them, you build capital with those individuals and trust. And you can say, 
I don't agree with you, and I we're gonna we're gonna have to have an argument on this issue, and we're gonna come out okay the other end, but it might get intense, right? And if you allow that space to happen, um, I think it's healthy, and I think it's healthier and more respectful. Those I, those people are the same people that knocked doors for me, that mm-hmm. that like made phone calls for me to win my race, that helped me beat an entrenched incumbent that outraised me almost two to one, right? So, like. There's, but we were, but we've also, like I said, built some capital with each other. So I don't, I think that like, if, if people stepped outside their echo chamber, maybe in my community and were willing to have real conversations with people, maybe over a bottle of wine and a dinner and maybe kind of like fully analyze both platforms and did that kind of work, I think a lot of reasonable people, regardless of their sexuality, would come over to the Republican Party. And I think you're seeing some of this demographic switch right now in the recent national polling where so many black men are now switching over to the Republican Party and actually supporting Trump, whether we like Trump or not. And Latino communities we're seeing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing shifts in demographics where I think Republicans are becoming much more the blue collar, like trade union type of like party versus like the corporate elites, like Hollywood party. Right. So we're seeing kind of these shifts that happen and these dynamics happen. Um and we're and in some places we're maybe seeing the party grow. Uh, I don't. I, and you know maybe I because I've had to walk through this. I I mean I've I can point to the real hateful dehumanizing bigotry of the left, and very clearly compared yeah. to what I've experienced to the right, I think those issues are issues of the heart, and then they're not they're different than policy debates, mm-hmm. and we have to like be able to differentiate those. That's honestly, that's a really good point. I, I was a, I was a groomsman for a a friend who got married and they, he and his obviously now wife, they, they exchanged gifts before, but they had also, you know, written each other a a big long letter. And so we were stuck for nine minutes in, you know, all of us in tuxedos in this hotel room while he reads this big long letter. And we all just kind of stand there and it's like, all right, well, this is awkward, but, (laughs) um, and so, you know, I said is, you know, anything in there that you're comfortable sharing. And he said one of the things that she brought up was something that they had talked about in their relationship prior to getting married was they have there's a difference between love problems and roommate problems because, you know, you fall in love and it's, you know, everything can be great or, you know, we're, are we like a Taylor Swift song and, I, you know, I've <laughs> seen stars and everything like that. But when you fall in love and get married, you're going to start cohabitating and you or now you have a roommate and sometimes one roommate does the dishes and one doesn't. Sometimes one roommate leaves Coke cans lying out and the other one doesn't. And there's a difference between a roommate problems and love problems. And a lot of times couples get in fights and they, it ends up being a love problem when it's just like, okay, it was your turn to walk the dog. You should have walked the dog. Like I've done it for six days in a row now. Just for the record, I walked the dog for two hours today. Just want that <laughs> on the record. I, was actually I want that to be know. known that I did walk the dog for two hours today. I was today. hoping the dog was going to come out because I remember she you is, have a very cute dog. <laughs> yeah, well, we have the French bulldog and then we have the German short hair. And the German short hair, Miss Bailey, is is a ball of energy. And I made sure that she <laughs> Would was be well, our, well, well walked. Constant or fort. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the same way with in a perverse way with party platform stuff there's matters of the head and there's matters of the heart and we can say hey let, you know let, let's talk about this policy and let's talk about how we can make oregon more business friendly or let's talk about how we can yeah. make oregon more tax friendly for uh, you know any consumer or whatever and then there's 
matters of the heart. It's like, okay, well, you know, what do we think? What do you think the role of the church is in all of this? What do you think the role of God is in all this? And that's, that's a wonderful debate to have. And it's, and it's obviously, it's important that you've had it. And now we have something extremely positive, I believe, to show for it. But it, it is funny that you put something in, in exactly those terms, obviously, especially in contrast with, <laughs> God bless you if you do. But if you sit down and read the Democratic Party platform and it's just like, these people are insane. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that was amazing that I learned that I, that one of the most important things that Dennis Richardson taught me before he passed away when he became friends with our family, um, which is such, which was such a, an amazing experience and so blessed that we were able to get to know him, um, was that discrimination um disagreement does not equal discrimination mm-hmm. right and even that and, and, and we can disagree on a lot of different topics or be in different spaces and allow people to be where they're at right um but but i that has helped me at times get through some of the the you know having to stand up in front of 300 people and kind of like make a case for my family but somebody needed to do that right somebody needed to be that spokesperson it's not the first time and you know anybody's ever had to do that um and so I, I, I've always remembered that it's always been really, that's, that's been, that's something that's, that gave me a little bit of perspective. Um, and don't just go into this thinking that like that person doesn't have your best interests or has, has ill will for you mm-hmm. either. Now, are there people in the party who are jerks or asshats and say horrible things and, and mask it, you know, or I'm trying to mask in virtue and just, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, the, but bad people are always going to exist. We live in a, we live in, on this planet and there's always going to, there, part of the human condition is there's always, you know, people that are just not good people are always, have, are, are going to have issues. Well, one um, of the ways but I don't the, think it's the majority. One of the ways that the, the yeah. Democratic Party and Democrats frame the argument is along the lines of you are, v- w- w- the, the disagreement is not, um, discrimination comment they frame it in a way that you are voting against someone's right to exist and i've never really come up with i mean it's not it's not that it's if you believe that marriage should be between one man and one woman you're that's literally it that's that's you think that 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 is the definition of marriage and a a you know a man and a man or a woman and a woman uh, that is that is something other than marriage um and that i think is the disagreement that we're referring to um do you have a a good comeback when a Democrat then says, well, you, you are trying to prevent me from existing. You're trying to prevent my family from existing. Well, I don't know. Did you tweet last week that billionaires shouldn't exist? <laughs> I mean, did I? I'm, I'm asking not you. Yeah, I can just right, tweet right, the generic, yeah, right, you know, right, right. Democrat socialist yeah. of America. Did you just right. say from, did you just literally tweet out, you know, from, uh, what is it from the, not from, 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 the, from, the, valley to the, to, from the river to the sea, yeah. like that you don't want the state of Israel to exist and that basically <laughs> you like want full on genocide of like the Jewish people <laughs> right. and you're going to talk to me because I'm having like policy discussions with people and I'm mature enough to do that without like crumbling and wilting like a flower that I'm so weak I can't have a policy discussion with somebody if you think I'm so fragile that I can't actually have a policy debate with somebody then you're the bigot Hmm. because I'm man enough and robust enough and strong enough in who I am that I can have a real conversation even if it's not comfortable I wish these were like more expensive mics that probably wouldn't break because you could just drop the mic right there. But right. Like I, I was like, I just, and, and we're, it, it's like, we can remember like it since yesterday when, um, the, some of the most radical and crazy beliefs, you know, wrapped up in fake virtue 
as if they're protecting me from something. Mm-hmm. I, I, first of all, I don't need your Lululemon, you know, <laughs> you know, wine glass Range Rover Suburban like <laughs> virtue to come wrap around <laughs> me to protect me. Right? I don't. I don't need that from somebody. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be all right on my. I'm own. okay. Right. So, uh, and I and I respect the like, even sometimes inarticulate but honest conversation one it makes me stronger as an individual and i think it benefits the other person within the dialogue that's why podcasts like this are so good because you're having long form conversations yep. we're not doing sound bites we're not doing bumper stickers um long conversation yeah. about this about long form content over you know yeah, the, yeah, this isn't it. cable news so no. thank god for that yeah i just i i just don't like the the whole and i and i and and Gay men and women, we're not a monolith of, right. we're not just like mindless widgets that fall within your stereotypical category that must believe and think in a certain way. We're autonomous individuals with real thoughts, opinions, values, and feelings and that we bring to the table uniquely because we're unique individuals and we're not just part of like this, this, this big group that must, you know, to be lockstep in a certain way. Um, and some of us are, uh, I think there's more and more of us just waking up, to, um, to maybe stepping outside that echo chamber just because some of the really insane and harmful policies and ideas and values that are coming out, at least from the really far left. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we have, uh, beaten that to death um is there uh 18 pages of document here is there anything else that kind of stood out to you as worth mentioning um something that changed some big discussion apart from the the family plank or if not we can just end it i think they did some there's some stuff in there that i that i challenge and didn't totally agree with i um there's a there's a long twenty percent twenty percent of it. There's I, a I long don't conversation <laughs> around election integrity, which we all want, and that's a that's a, could be its own you know episode on its own. But I think some of it got into the weeds a little bit, um, and around it, and I did, and I wasn't quite ready to to go as far as some of the things that they had in there around that. I think um, there was some really good stuff in there around education and parents' rights that was really robust and fortified that I liked. Um, but overall, like it was a, it was kind of like I enjoyed being kind of behind the scenes and being part of the sausage making and seeing like um, where we were as a party and what our voice was kind of like. And um, at the you know at the end of it, it was overall a, a little bit torturous, but but a good experience. I think it's it's easy for you know folks to you know find something like this and be able to dunk on it or any you know any one specific line and just be able to just be like oh my god. I mean, I know this because James and I did. We had a two-hour podcast where that's exactly what we did. We just ripped this document to shreds and, you know, three iterations of it ago, whatever it was. But fundamentally, that's that's exactly what it is. It's a group of people coming together, and it's not something that is going to make national news. It's not something where we're getting in a lot of donations for your favorite senator or congressman or whatever. It's a It's a representation of a of an expression of policy where we've it's a you know small subset of Oregon Republicans that I, I you know it does I think by necessity draw the individuals who are most passionate about whatever particular issue rather than individuals who are just 
you know, heavily involved in Oregon politics as a whole. But it's it's a very local, very small government type thing where everybody gets to have some input. And we, we sit there and we argue and it's three days at a hotel in Pendleton. But there's something real that came out of it. it this isn't just a, you know, a perennial like at the national level, oh, you know, Trump versus Biden. You know, it's just like, OK, we've seen that ad nauseum. This is Leslie no small government local stuff. And it's. It's wonderful to see people get involved in that, even when they are people that, you know, on issue X or issue Y or issue Z, there's going to be a disagreement. We kind of got to hash it out before we can get to a, a finalized document. And there was a lot of agreement. Like, I'm super proud of the I think it's the 11. It's it short. I think it's rules and regs. There's some awesome language in there. I, I mm-hmm. just happened to chair that 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 section but <laughs> shameless plug. But, but I think there's some awesome, awesome language in there where we really define like why we why why capitalism and why um, uh, and talks a little bit about limited, limited government in there. Um, I think there's some really good stuff in there that that that's that sets us apart um, from uh, uh, as a party. And I think there's a, a section in there that talks about um, maybe it's eleven three that talks a little bit about. So the 12, 12, three rules, regulations, emergency orders and executive orders shall not usurp individual or business owners liberties. Yep. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. All rules, regulations, and executive orders shall not impede or force compliance of individuals or business owners and must be applied equally. You serve. So, nice. Scrabble yeah. word. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. I, I wish I had more there's time a, to... I think there's... What does three say? That was three. Oh, Twelve, four. Twelve, three. Uh, Twelve. There's no four. There's only one, two, and three. Succinct, like you said. What was the... <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to see. Is this, did I download the right one? Oh no, twelve one. Where it says, I, I mean, I love this. Like, we support rules and regulations that promote and foster a free market economy while protecting the free enterprise and personal freedom. We believe that nothing in human history has helped more people towards elevating the poor to prosperity than free market capitalism. Free markets are not driven by by greed, but they are moral because they spur voluntary acts between individuals for mutual benefit. However, statism and corporate cronyism are harmful to free markets and a vibrant economy. If you just made wow. that, the party platform yeah, right there. Just, that's fantastic. That's beautiful. You're welcome, Republicans. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. yeah. But, that, but I wanted to make very clear, like, that's an important value system that we have. And so, but I love that here, language here. in there, right? Um, I think it captures where the party is today. Um, and, you know, it's short and sweet, but those words are in there and they're important too. And that, pro- that those, that, 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 <laughs> that um, value system is probably one of the most important and most impactful for the everyday person. Than the bulk of the platform as a whole. Yeah, I, that, there's but, and that they, language is awesome. They had yeah. stuff in there at least when we no, read through fantastic. it about like what 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 the what the right answer on China and Taiwan is. And, and I mean, like I I think most Republicans, ninety nine percent of Republicans, are going to know the answer on that. policy. But like, there what is, does that have yeah. to do with the Oregon Republican Party? What are we going to do about two, two years ago? Two years ago, we almost got rid of that section entirely. We're one vote I, one vote away from removing foreign policy. Entirely, like to, we we are Oregon. Republicans. We should not be in for like having Has a comment on foreign to policy. Do with but uh, to but your point, the the, the verbiage here. that you said, this is exactly like this is what it means to be a Republican. This yeah. is what we believe, and this is why we believe that this makes society better. Period. Full stop. That's yeah. it. And that Democrat platform was all about how capitalism is greed mm-hmm. and how you know more of a socialism type of mindset and um and but i think we have to be clear about like why capitalism 
is the system that has raised more popper, more individuals out of poverty than any other system in human history. Mm-hmm. And while it is not when it operates um, within its boundaries and guidelines, it is not it is not greedy, but it is the free exchange between two individuals that are mutually benefiting. Um, and, and being able like what we often see is when is this kind of cronyism that happens within the, the, the government and the free markets, then you start to get, gets real messy and gross and has ethical issues and things like that. And, you know, the problems around statism. And so I, I think that, you know, there's, there's good things in there. We can argue about other things, but I can point yeah. to a few other things that are like totally Amazing. Well, we've got uh, yeah. section six or plank six is natural resources and environmental stewardship. I mean, there's a whole page and a half on, you know, you, you are not going to find more strong environmentalists than you will people in Eastern Oregon who live off the land. That is their livelihood. That's right. They do not want it destroyed. You know, you get people in Portland who are virtue signaling and doing what they think is best, but they don't live it. They live in their condo in downtown and, you know, maybe they'll go on a hike occasionally, but the people who actually live it are the, are the people who are going to have the most skin in the game when it comes to environmental stewardship. Um, Plank 18 is about energy and I haven't had a chance to read all of the uh, particulars on that, but I think that's another important thing that, you know, the, the free access or not free access, but um, low cost perpetual energy has driven more human achievement and human survival um, than many other things and growth and and jobs and the support of the families that we talked about, uh, you know, several planks prior to this. I mean, like, this is a, that's a, that's okay, a really talk good about why nuclear energy is just a real viable option and why uh, it's actually like clean. It did a couple years ago. Yep. Germain yeah. to Oregon too. That yeah. actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 18.9. We support restoring the use of safe, modern nuclear power generation. So yeah, it's Republicans are pro nuclear and pro green energy. It's, Democrats who are trying to have subvert things and, and losers. And so I think it's a really good point that, that there's a lot of good stuff in here and we like to pick apart the stuff we don't agree with or the part that's contentious. Um, but if you, if you look beyond that, and I, I've said before, I think that probably 80%, 80%, 20, 80% of this that I, that I agree with wholeheartedly, which is why I personally am a Republican and we can fight over the 20%, but it's, it, it it's a good point to that we to focus on the eighty percent every once in a while and and focus on the good things that have come out of this platform and where we are different from the Democratic Party and where we are looking out for the best interests of the people of Oregon and the country and uh, our ideas are better than theirs. Yeah, just so. just an outcomes. Just compare Clackamas County to Multnomah County. There you go. Yeah, there, there's the we. I just I just had um with one of the VPs of Hoffman Construction, and they're like, yeah, we just moved. Hoffman to Clackamas County. Oh, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Because the city of Portland was so, had so much antithesis to us and so much disdain for us. And Joanne Hardesty was to our face, like literally waved us goodbye. She literally was like, okay, bye bye. Like she waved them goodbye when they brought up wow. a real concern about the chaos for their business that they're experiencing because of the addiction and homelessness and safety issues for their, their staff. And Joanne Hardesty literally was like, mm-hmm, bye bye. Like to their face as like job creators and innovators and a long standing, uh, massive company here mm-hmm. in the Portland area that's wildly respected. Um, and they're like, fine, we will go bye bye. Okay, We're going to Clackamas yeah. County, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? 
And so Call we'll come on in. The water's real nice and clackamous. <laughs> we, we, we respect the people also that sign the front of the paycheck, not just the back of it. And, um, those job creators are coming to Clackamas. People are moving with their feet to Clackamas County. That's why of the 10 fastest growing cities in the state of Oregon, six of them are in Clackamas. No kidding. Wow. Out of the counties with more than 7,500 people in it, we are the safest county in the state. We're in the Portland area. Um, and, uh, we prioritize, um, infrastructure. Um, we're anti-tolling. We're fighting that. We, um, are all about public safety. Um, and we are having the best outcomes. And right now, the leaders in the state are around addiction, homelessness, and housing issues because we're doing it differently. And we're showing that, um, there's a way to do good local government. And, um, you can also take this party platform, which informs some of our work that we're doing, right? And then you can just see, okay, this is the worldview or this is the book that they're ma- some of them are looking off. This is some of the things informing them. Okay. Well, what's, what's the outcome for how I live every day and how can I walk down my streets? How's my kid's mm-hmm. school? Well, it's really nice in Clackamas. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, normally we end shows by asking the guest who their favorite Republican is. I know we did that the first time. So I was going to ask you what your favorite county in Oregon is, but I, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I might be a little partial to Clackamas. I'm going to go with Clackamas. That's a solid answer yeah. right there. Yeah. Well, that's great. We are over time. So Ben, thank you so much for giving us the time to come and talk about this. And, uh, I think this is an important topic and, um, yeah, thanks so much for your time. And uh, listeners, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.